G'day, mate. Forty here. I was just seeing some tweets about uh, Baked Alaska is in court, and uh, here the tweet thread says Baked Alaska just talked himself into a, a trial and then screwed up his plea deal. Why are you pleading guilty? Because the prosecutor said he charged me with a harsher crime. But are you guilty? No. <clears throat> okay, let's pick a trial date. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> I believe I'm innocent. So his plea deal goes off the rails immediately. Let's pick a trial date. We're looking at next spring. So Baked Alaska and his lawyer is now going to a breakout room on Zoom to talk. So Baked Alaska online says, I'm balls deep in legal feces. So reading this, I had the uncomfortable realization that... Uh, that many normal people, if they looked at one of my streams, or God forbid, a Baked Alaska stream, or a Nick Fuentes stream, or uh, Millennial Woe stream, or I don't know, would people just say, would the, would the normie just say, another attention whore? <laughs> is that... Is that what it comes down to? Like, I have my critiques of, of other live streamers and other live streaming personalities. So, so for me, David Cole Stein has just this bizarre trajectory where for years he was really into his Holocaust denial and he, he went on Donahue ride and he denied the existence of gas chambers at Auschwitz and their whole chapters devoted, devoted to David Cole Stein in books debunking Holocaust denial. So to me, this character is just utterly bizarre. And I know, I know people who just love his writing, and he, he has a gift. He, he can really turn a phrase. He's a very compelling personality. He's very entertaining. And I have normies who ask me, <clears throat> oh, so who, who don't live in L.A., so are you, are you hanging out with David Cole? And no, I've, I've never hung out with David Cole. I don't really think of us as, you know, compadres, you know, operating in the same space. But I'm probably being delusional. To, to most normies, you know, David Cole's story is no more bizarre than my story. You know, convert to Judaism and, and then write a blog about the pornography industry. So I'm just thinking about all these personalities who I comment on from uh, usually on the, the distant right. Uh, Often, to me, their, their behavior is incredibly you know, self-defeating, uh, often antisocial, bizarre, incomprehensible. But then, then I have to reflect, whoa, <laughs> most normies, they, they look at my Wikipedia entry or, or they hear about me, they would think the same thing. I'm sure to David Cole, my story is just absolutely incomprehensible. Like absolutely bizarre and distasteful, and you know, want, want nothing to do with it. But we're all stuck here. We're all stuck in in the attention economy. So, your wife wants your attention. Your gardener sometimes wants your attention. Your boss definitely wants your attention. Your rabbi wants your attention. Your friends want your attention. Live streamers want your attention. Your musicians, entertainers, uh, academics, intellectuals. Right? There's no escaping the attention economy. Intellectuals want to develop a following, and usually they want to have real-world influence, and that begins by commanding attention. So are there any significant gradations in the attention economy, say, between some uh, Nobel Prize-winning economist 
right, who wants to make a real world difference and uh, a live streamer, uh, you know, walking through through a department store. And I guess, the, I think, you know, the primary difference I see in, in the attention economy is whether you're making a bid for attention in an antisocial and self-destructive way or if you're making a bid for attention in a, in a pro-social and non-self-destructive way. So if you're getting arrested, if you're losing your friends, if your offline life is becoming miserable, if your real-world personality is being negatively affected by your, your bidding for attention online, then, then that's, that's become you know, a maladaptive approach. So like a, a Paul Gottfried, right, and, and a Steve Saylor, they're, they're also in the attention economy. They, they produced you know, far more prestigious work than I have. Uh, th these are people clearly who are bidding for, for, for attention for their ideas, right? You know, far more than for their personalities. So that's that's another distinction of people, of people bidding for your attention for their personality, or for their analysis, for their ideas, for their for their values they might, may want to share. So, like a, a Nick Fuentes is primarily a, a personality based live streamer. Baked Alaska primarily. A, personality-based uh, live streamer. Uh, Richard Spencer, you know, primarily an ideas-based uh, live streamer. Paul Gottfried, virtually an entirely ideas-based live streamer. Joseph Carter, primarily an ideas-based live streamer. Uh, J.F. Garapi, a little more on the ideas and, than the personality. But uh, what's up, Sticks and Hammer? Yeah, this is, this is my tribute to, to Sticks. Just, just all precipitated by kind of the baleful reflection that, that no matter how bizarre and antisocial and self-defeating I think many of the antics of, of my fellow live streamers are, I'm just kind of realizing that, that to the normie, now I'm just another bizarre bloke uh, on YouTube making, making a bid for, for their attention. And so if you're making an, a bid for people's attention, attention for what, right? Why do you want people's attention? What do you wish to do with it? So for me, it's in large part an intellectual and moral and, and social, cultural and psychological workout. You know, I want to balance things that I'm reading and ideas that, that I'm experiencing and uh, my perceptions of reality you know, up against you and, and get your feedback and you know, work out my mind, you know, get your challenges, try to formulate what I'm thinking, what I'm reading, what I'm hearing, try to make it as clear as possible and, and to, you know, work out what exactly is going on. So I like the, the moral, intellectual, cultural, social, you know, psychological workout from live streams. And I get excited about ideas. Like, this isn't the exception, right? It's not like, oh, I come on live streams, totally different personality. People who know me, in real life, I think it's pretty similar personality because when I run into friends, right, there are certain friends who I primarily share a love of Torah with. And so with my, my Torah friends, usually Orthodox Jews, when I see them, we fairly quickly start talking Torah. We start you know, discussing the, the Parsha or what we may have been studying in the Gomorrah or the Rambam, and, and that's our primary area of discussion. Other people, primarily we talk about politics, uh, other people, we, we primarily talked about 12-step, uh, but uh, 
for, for most people that, that I spend time with, it's primarily around discussing ideas. So certain people, ideas about the Alexander Technique. And, and so when I'm reading something, when I'm listening to a podcast, when I'm studying The New Yorker, it's in large part to boil it down and to be able to discuss it with, with those friends with whom it's most appropriate. And so this way, by doing a live stream, I kind of get to expand the number of people that, that I talk to about the, the ideas that are absolutely compelling me. But uh, then, then you reflect, okay, I know what, I feel like I know what I'm doing here. I feel like I know what you're doing here. But then how would this look like to, you know, to a complete outsider? Thinking is for the gloopy ones. Fascinating article in the Washington Post that uh, Lufthansa Airlines, it banned all Jewish passengers from a connecting flight because apparently two of the passengers were not wearing their masks. And I was just thinking, this is how the world works. In Anglo societies, we are taught to treat people primarily as individuals. But even in Anglo societies, we still have a reflex to see people, first of all, not as individuals, but as members of groups. So we've got here article, Washington Post, Jewish passengers accused Lufthansa of, oh my God, discrimination for flight ban. So it was an incident in Frankfurt, Germany, and Lufthansa employees singled out Jewish travelers based on their appearance and on their names. So Lufthansa blocked more than 100 Jews from boarding a connecting flight from Frankfurt last week. So about 30 members were allowed to board the flight. Uh, most people were not, and the excluded many wore the black hats of ultra-Orthodox Jews or Jewish-sounding names. So you see in a video, a Lufthansa worker telling a passenger all Jewish customers arriving on a flight from New York were banned from their flight to Budapest because individuals identified as Jewish had refused to comply with the airline's mask mandates and other rules on the first leg of the journey. So uh, many Jews are... Uh, stricter than average about wearing masks, but among Orthodox Jews, there's probably a higher than average level of, among traditional Orthodox Jews, there's probably a higher level of rebellion against uh, mask wearing. So the Jews were, were heading for a small annual memorial commemorating a rabbi who died 97 years ago, the Yatside Rabbi Shayeli Keristir in Hungary. So I've never made that made that trip, but uh, the pilot announced that the flight attendants were frustrated with passengers who were refusing to comply with the mandatory mask requirement and with people blocking the galleys to pray. So, from from a non-Jewish perspective, uh, there are certain Jews who seem to have a lot of chutzpah, like a, a lot of self-confidence to get up and. and uh, say the, the prayers, even if you're blocking galleys, right? Get up in an airline, you know, putting on tefillin, right? M many non-Jews find that disturbing. And uh, particularly if people don't obey the directions of flight crews and uh, refuse to abide by the airline's requirement, the passengers wear 
medical grade masks. So that's a Lufthansa requirement. So major US air carriers have dropped their mask mandates, but uh, the German carrier requires it because Germans, generally speaking, tend to have a more intense fear of the unknown. Right? That which is strange tends to be much more troubling for, for Germans, for Central Europeans, and for Eastern Europeans than it is for West Europeans and Anglos. So there's a Lufthansa gate agent giving an announcement. Due to an operational reason coming from the flight from New York, all passengers here, we have to cancel you on this flight. You know why it was. And then another video shows a Lufthansa employee telling uh, a Jew, Yitzi Halpern, that he's not going to be able to board the flight. And uh, Halpern says, I was wearing a mask the whole time. Why am I lumped in with the non-mask wearers? Everyone has to pay for a couple who didn't comply with the mask rules, the unidentified Lufthansa rep says. Right? All the Jews have to pay for the two Jews who didn't follow the mask rules. And then the Lufthansa rep says, it was Jewish people who were the mess, who made the problems. Now, I don't think this would happen in the United States. Lisa says this is something that uh, many historians overlook. Oh, okay, that's, uh, that's silly. What do I know about information theory, 40? Well, information theory is vast, so you'd have to give me an example uh, about uh, what in particular with regard to information theory are you talking about. I mean, can you imagine in America saying that it was, it was Jews who caused this problem and now therefore all, all Jews have to pay the price? Right? The Lufthansa rep says it was Jewish people who were the mess who made the problems. But that's the nature of reality. Even in Anglo-Western countries, people don't tend to be seen primarily as individuals. We, we're primarily seen by outsiders as members of a particular group. And you may protest that, uh, look, you know, you're black, but you, you, you don't behave like certain blacks have behaved that have caused non-blacks to, to regard blacks in, in a negative way. Or you may protest, look, I'm Jewish, but I've not, you know, I've not violated the mask rules. But uh, life is largely a collective experience. Right? We're not primarily individuals you know, born with certain inalienable rights. We're, we're primarily people who are members of a group, of a tribe, of a nation. So three... People were reprimanded by flight attendants for refusing to wear masks. And uh, dozens of Jewish men were doing the morning prayers, like uh, they were, you know, rapping to Philan when the Lufthansa started calling passengers to board by name and uh, all became rather hectic. And uh, Lufthansa is apologizing that they're backpedaling. But uh, there's no way around this, right? When, when I wear a yarmulke and Israel's at war, people respond, strangers respond and start weighing in with, with opinions about what's going on in, in Israel. So 
Who are the people who keep using Luke's chat as a public restroom? Well, I guess they're not around anymore. When I catch those people defecating in my public chat room, after a certain amount, they get banned. God forbid, I think they were white men. Can we break down genetics using information theory? Even before the discovery of double helix, Claude Shannon conceived a mathematics to predict genetic mutations. I'm sure in this age you could predict a lot. Now, would they boot a big group of Christians or Muslims or blacks? Would Lufthansa do that? Good question, and I am skeptical that they would. All right, so... I, I, Central Europeans like Germans and East Europeans have this much more dramatic, much more visceral fear of, of that which is different. And so Jews wearing big black hats, Jews putting on tefillin, uh, Jews, you know, gesticulating, uh, being, say, more emotional than the average European. I think that's going to be very disturbing to many Central and Eastern Europeans, and they're much more likely to have a visceral negative reaction against that which is different. And so that's why you'll notice that opposition to immigration is much more intense in Eastern Europe and parts of Central Europe compared to Western Europe. Okay, that's it. Bye-bye.